0: Welcome to this sample audio clip, which comes from the series entitled Multi-Hall Conversations with Jim Brown. In this segment, Jim speaks to Multi-Hall Sailor and former Sea Runner Trimaran owner Fred Goldfarb.
1: Our guest today is Fred Goldfarb, who is an old Sea Runner trimaran sailor whom I have never met, but I've heard of his exploits for years. Hello, Fred. Hi, Jim. We, we've got a lot of catching up to do, boy. I, I can't. I, I remember your name from way back. I guess did you
0: buy plans or something back in the '60s? Well, I, I actually I bought a couple of your catalogs over the years. And um, it turns out I never actually built one of her boats, but I own two of them. Uh Uh, I bought my first um, Sea Runner Trimer in a 25 from um, uh, a guy who was a um, teacher-turned-yacht-dealer on Long Island, Denny Blaze. Oh, I know him, sure. Yeah, he he was a good guy, maybe had some notoriety off and on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He ended up living on a catamaran, I think, down in the Chesapeake or down in um, Florida, teaching uh, captain's course lessons.
1: Yes, he was was a kingpin in the Long Island Multihull Association and uh, invited me to come up for one of their races. It was quite a scene.
0: Yeah, I was a member of that for, well, I wasn't a member. I sort of, I would have been, but... It had already broken up when I first got into multi-hole seriously, but I met a bunch of the guys who were in there. And, I think that um, must have
1: been the, uh, the uh, early or uh, middle
0: 70s, huh? Um, it was, I guess, yeah, about Late the mid-70s 70s, well, 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 when I got uh, Flying Cloud. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and, and uh, Flying was Cloud, on what, the little which boat. was... Pardon me, I, I stepped on you there. Which was Flying Cloud? Flying Cloud was my C, uh, my Browns c twenty five. I don't remember what the original name was, but I renamed it. Uh huh. And I kept it on at a yacht club on City Island, where I couldn't race it against anything because they wouldn't like it racing against anything else.
1: Sure. <laughs> Yeah, the 25 but, uh, was
0: a pretty quick boat for its time, wasn't it? It it really did sail. Well, I can tell you that a friend of mine who was, uh, I'm about six feet tall, and his friend of mine was about 6'3". We were off sailing uh, between the Whitestone and Throgs Neck Bridges in the Upper East River, not far from City Island one day, and we were heading back towards Long Island Sound, and a gust of wind hit us. I remember we were on a starboard tack um I think it was close-hauled or, or maybe a beam reach. And the boat accelerated so fast that uh, my friend was knocked off his feet. <laughs> Did he stay on board? Oh, yeah. yeah it was in the cockpit, okay. but it was, like, it, was like, it was like slamming the accelerator on a sports car. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I don't know what we were doing, but it's like we were doing something like 7 to 12 knots in a matter of seconds.
1: Well, um uh
0: maybe more. Uh, it can
1: work the other way too, Fred. Um, uh, yeah. I I, uh, I w- once watched my uh, my old friend uh, Fred Jukic uh, sailing with Arthur Piver and uh-huh. they were going across San Francisco Bay, a lickety-split, and Fred was standing up on the weather outrigger hull hanging onto the shroud and the shroud broke right in his hand and the mast went over the side and the boat stopped rather quickly <laughs> Fred went tiptoeing out over the float bow and into the water.
0: Well, I never went swimming. Luckily, and but I did have a mast break on me in that boat. Uh oh. Yeah, um, it was a wooden mast that was uh, of such a section that I believe it was probably meant more for like a thirty-one. It was a huge section, um, and uh, I'd been sailing with a girlfriend at the time, and we were off City Island late afternoon and uh, on a, I guess a star, it had to be a starboard tack. I heard a crack, and the upper part of the mast fell on the, uh, the port ama and the netting and so forth, and the rest of it kind of fell back and sort of on, on the port, or, uh, over the port side seat, so it missed us. But it was pretty exciting. I ended up uh, designing and building a new thinner lighter mast that worked just fine. Well, do you suppose it was a mast failure, or was it a rigging failure? It was a mast failure. The mast was a wooden mast covered in fiberglass, and there had been some water that had gotten in oh. um, from the very top, and you couldn't see the rot that had developed around the spreaders, you know, around yeah. that part of the mast.
1: Yeah. Jeez. Well, I'm so glad nobody got hurt.
0: Know, it was kind of funny, though. Um, we were fine. I just threw the you know, dropped the anchor, <clears> wasn't too it wasn't very deep there. And immediately a couple of monohullers came around. Just one guy started calling the Coast Guard auxiliary, shooting off flares. And I'm telling him, don't, we're fine. My mooring's just a couple of hundred yards over there. <laughs> you <know>? uh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to be yeah. fine. And he, he insisted on it. and, like, trying to get the military, everyone he can think of. <laughs> you know? And then luckily nobody came, you know, and so... We were on the radio a little bit, but it was a funny little incident. And eh, my girlfriend at the time, she came sailing with me again.
1: You've got to tell us how it is that you managed to get going into multi-hulls in the first
0: place. Well, it's kind of funny. I was in college, and I had read an article that living aboard a boat could be cheaper than living on land. So I went with a girlfriend to the uh, New York boat show at at the Coliseum at the time, And this was, I guess, around 1968. And uh, the powerboats had a lot of room, but they sort of reminded me of, I don't know, apartments on land and big smelly engines. It just bothered me. There were sailboats there. Some had their their sails up, masts were up. Um, It was a big, big, big place. And I was just floored by the beauty of them and the fact that some of them were easily, you know, aboard boats, Um, there were two couples in the cockpit of a 48-footer that were talking to the salesman, and I I was on deck to hear just enough to get me hooked for life. They asked him how hard would it be for people like themselves to sail a boat across the Atlantic, and um, the dealer said, well, not too hard if they know what you're doing, which of course leaves a whole library of information and knowledge out and experience. That was in January. In March, I was at City Island at Sagman's uh, learning to sail. Um, Then I did some sailing on a couple of small racing boats out of a local yacht club. Um, Then I met, uh, and meanwhile, I was learning everything I can, and I had switched schools from electrical engineering to a mechanical engineering program that was with the Westland School of Yacht Design. Uh-huh. So I decided to learn how to design boats and and become an engineer. Um, meanwhile, I'd met a guy named Jean Lacombe who had been in the original uh, off-star, the single-handed transatlantic race, and he he had sailed a um, twenty-one uh, foot Galahad across. And he taught me stuff I didn't know previously, like how to sail backwards, how to sail without a rudder, you know, things like that. Um, plus, he was a really interesting character. At this point, I was well aware of multi-hulls. I wasn't crazy about healing, uh, even though most boats do that, most monohulls anyway. And I started looking at multi-hulls and uh, getting Tri-Mariner magazine and getting connected with some of the people uh, who had been with the Long Island Multi-Hull Association I went over to um, the major, I guess, East Coast multi-hole dealer, Simmons, sailing out, and I think it was in Patchogue, and I kind of talked my way on as many boats as I could and do as many things as I I could with boats. And um, At some point then, I just said, I have to get one, and I looked around, and there weren't a lot for sale around here. And uh, I, I found the 25, took a look at it, said, this is, I'm familiar with Jim Brown's designs. This is fantastic. And it was in reasonably good shape, so I bought it and had my first boat. And I joined a yacht club in City Island so I can keep it there on a the mooring. Um, and that's how I sort of got into it. From I mean, there it sort of blossomed. I just fell in love with the, these crazy boats with more than one hull. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: what happens. You, you you get a I don't know whether it's in the brain or in the belly. You get a you get a fire going. It sounds like uh, you you really became committed at a at a uh, at a time when the uh, the culture of the modern multi-hull was really beginning to crank up, particularly in the New York area and in the San Francisco area. Thanks for listening. To find out more about this historic multi
0: hall audio series, please visit us on the web at www.outreakmedia.com.